You're listening to Clever Women Co., our podcast where we chat about all things business, career, and entrepreneurship. I'm Gal Cron, and as always, I'm joined by my business bestie and co-host, M. Kaplan. Hello, Gal. On this podcast, we ask the big questions so that we can really delve into the brilliant minds of the people you want to hear from. Listen closely because every episode is so different and full of insight. You might just walk away with that one tool you needed in order to take that next step in your journey. It's the conversations you wouldn't find anywhere else, so let's get into it. On today's show, we chatted Tammy Cannett, a Melbourne-based fiber artist and weaver whose tapestry work, which she posts on her Instagram to over 150,000 followers, is quite literally mind-blowing. Having professionally begun her career in the arts as a jewellery designer, an industry that she was in for about 12 years, it was actually when she was renovating her home back in 2010 that Tammy wanted a woven tapestry but couldn't find the right one, so she made it herself. Starting with that very first piece, Tammy completely repurposed her artistic talents and understanding into textiles. Within six years, she gained international recognition, with celebrities regularly inquiring about her pieces, and has since produced commissions for both local and international clients, which I'm sure she'll tell us all about. Tammy's talent is beyond anything we can ever dream of, and we are super excited to be passing the mic directly to her to really tell us her story and career journey in depth of how she got here. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Gal and Em. Thank you very much for having me. Our pleasure. We haven't actually spoken to an artist on the podcast before, so I think it'll be interesting to get more of a creative perspective. Mm. Yeah, look, it's um, it's just beautiful to be here, to be able to share with you my journey and... Um, yeah, and it's exciting that you haven't had an artist before, so yeah. hopefully I can bring some new information for those people in this area. Yeah, I remember seeing your post like for years, and it's so amazing to now be able to really hear your story in depth and be able to ask you all about the journey of how you got here. So it's, it's really an honour to have you on. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we were kind of saying off mic before that you know like obviously you can have conversations with someone but until you actually get to sit down and have the opportunity to ask specific questions like I feel like it's just like different it's a different level of connection and communication Mm, so yeah absolutely I agree well Tammy the first question we like to ask our guests is what are you reading listening to or watching right now I think that um, I read, listen and watch to watch many things. So often when I'm weaving, I will listen to um, music and it's sort of mixed. Sometimes I listen to chanting or sort of meditation music. Other times I listen to rap. Like it no really way. varies. Um, Who? I, Russ. <laughs> yeah. I love his That's music. That's amazing. It's really, I just connect with it. I like people who sort of sing about I don't know just their real emotions because mm. I feel that that connects me to my weaving yeah. so um and there's a rhythm and then other times beautiful meditation there's Deva and Mission who um do a lot of chanting so I would a lot of music and then I'll go through phases where it will be podcasts so I'll either go to spiritual podcasts or I will go to some great art podcasts and then also audiobook, audible books. Yeah. Um, so I just listened to Rick Rubin's mm-hmm. book called The Creative Act. He's incredible, Rick Rubin. His Absolutely career. brilliant. Yeah. And just so 
inspiring and just reminds you of why you're creating. Mm. Um, and then the only other book that I um, also am reading at the moment, so that's when I, at night, before I go to sleep, <laughs> not while I'm waiting, um, it's called The Other Side by Jennifer Hickey, A Journey into Women, Art and the Spirit World, which is just, it's just definitely about a lot of these spiritual artists mm. that I really connect with. Sounds like it kind of connects everything that you're interested in, like spirituality and women and exploring your creativity. Yeah, it really is. I've, yeah. I've, so I've read it once, but I'll be reading it a second time. Yeah. Well, in another podcast, I heard that your sister is a meditation teacher and into psychotherapy. Do you think she influenced a lot of that for you? That's an interesting question. So it's um, Zoe Cannon, my sister-in-law, and she um, teaches yoga nidra. Uh, definitely um, just introduced me really to that um, meditation and what it can bring. I mean, I actually learned to meditate maybe 25 years ago, so a, many, a long time ago, but it's one of those things I would pull out and then I'd put away. But I think she kind of having her and being so close with her, it reminded me of the importance of meditation. Mm. What do you think it is that really connects you to meditation or like that you're drawn to in terms of meditation? I think it quietens my mind. It mm. gets me to hear the truth within myself. Do you not feel like you get that enough with your weaving? <laughs> it's a really interesting question. I think I need a lot of quiet mind time <laughs> and yeah, right. I feel that I like um, it, it's sort of different because I think when I'm weaving there is a bit of a narrative still going on in my mind mm. or I'm listening to something whereas meditation is just that permission for pure silence and there's nothing to be sorted out or fixed it's a real freedom and can often I help I think help my um, art practice mm -hmm. do you do much yoga I have done a lot of yoga over the years, um, but um, of late, not so much. Yeah. I did go on an incredible retreat in India earlier this year where we did do a lot of yoga and meditation and, you know, I, I did love it. Yeah. Um, I think with my art at the moment, I do a lot of strength training for upper back to just keep mm. my arms strong because I do weave for many hours a day. Yeah, you don't so. think of that. It's like physical work doing yeah. what you do. It's The pieces are also massive, yeah. you know, like you said you were doing a, um, bronze pieces now that are mm. up to 50 kilos. Yeah. That's yeah. even a whole other ball game. Yeah. Look, that's, um, I mean, I think the, yeah, the weaving with the large works, like, yeah, it's, it is very physical. Mm. But when you're in the zone, you almost just don't feel the pain. Yeah. you just keep weaving because mm. you're on a mission um and with the bronze works well I don't actually you know they're that's a mold made but they um yeah they're very heavy works but that's just sort of a new area that I've moved into yeah there's kind of this like air in your story of like you know creativity and meditation and like a lot of calmness and almost like sensuality whereas you speak a bit about the fact that you are not an organized person mm. is there a connection there yeah it's a really interesting question um I feel that like I'm uh, it's the freedom mm. I sort of have this free spirit of it's it's an ability to just sort of go and do something and not try and overthink it yeah so I am definitely not organized like I don't plan the pieces they just evolve 
I don't have any real intention. I don't know what sort of colors I'm going to use. It's so there's that freedom, but I feel that the meditation and that discipline within that freedom though there's also I have a very busy mind so Mm. it's the discipline that I have to have to do the meditation to just give my brain a break but in terms of organization that is not my skill but I also think it's a bit of a blessing because Mm. I don't have to control the outcome yeah which allows just the truth to come out as it comes out yeah without really an intention I think that's really interesting though. I think there's like a, there is like a strong distinction though between disorganization and intuition. Like I think that there's some part of intuition that's organized. Some part of, I have to think that through. There's some (laughs) part of intuition that's organized. I think it's organized in the sense that I think it is your truth. Yeah. I think when you can connect with your intuition, you're just your truth. Like if I'm trying to, create something to please someone I'm not going to do my best work yeah you know if I'm trying to kind of control I I just feel that organization and me personally I'm not I think it's also it depends on what your definition of organization is you know um I feel that like I I finish all my works. If I start a piece, I finish it. So you could say that's organised. Like I'm not disorganised and I don't have, you know, um, I c- I'm committed. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's a really interesting question. I, I do question myself. I, I feel like I'm a disorganised person, but then I must be organised to have maybe got to where I've got to. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's um, – I think it's not linear. Mm. Mm. Well, I feel like looking at your Instagram is just so relaxing, at least for me. I can't reiterate this enough for the listeners. Like, go to Tammy's Instagram and look at the work that she does because it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It's the the way you combine colors and and fabrics and wool and and shapes. It's incredible. Yeah, it's um. I thank you. I really appreciate that, and um, it's just beautiful to get that feedback. And I always think when I hear someone speak as, as you're speaking. I create the work because it serves something within me. It it heals my heart. It makes me feel at peace. And then when it impacts others, as you're saying, and that you can feel that that energy, um, I just feel that that's such a gift. And yeah. I, I think that I need to do this work no matter what, but if it can bring others some joy, um, well, that's just a bonus. That's just, yeah, really yeah. Um, beautiful to hear. And how incredible that you can call that work. Like not many people get to wake up every day and do something they feel so connected to and love so much. So Mm. that's also a blessing in itself. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say in that, it's, it's, (laughs) there's two words that are coming into my mind. One is like, for me, the work is therapy. It doesn't matter what is going on. I can just get onto the loom and I can choose the wool and it's a diary. It's a Mm. journal and I can just express myself and the other thing is it's the other thing I often think with my work it's a it's a novel so I start and I I just have to keep going because I want to know what the end of the story is and I've always felt that about my work I never know until it's done what the ending is do you think there's connection like do you think there's almost like a story that weaves through pun unintended (laughs) that weaves through like the pieces that you've kind of progressed through to over time Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's often not until I've finished a work 
that I actually go, oh, that's where those colours are from or that's what I had a need to do. Um, So if I look back at my earlier work to where I am at now, yeah, it's a bit like, well, I'm a bit older than you, but like we used to have records and records Mm. used to be a time where you've got music, songs, Mm. a time that I remember when I listened to that music because that's what it made me feel. Mm. So I think the work resonates that a little bit. And one thing I've noticed of late... um, and I'm actually just working on a very large piece for the Melbourne Art Fair. I'm doing a lot of knots, knotting, and there's just something so strong about the knotting. It's mm. a there's a, something rhythmic. And when I first started, it was more tapestry weaving, so it was in out, in out, warp weft. Whereas this is more knotting, so it's sort of evolved. Um, and I think as I evolve yeah. with the work yeah. and as a person, yeah, yeah, with life, yeah. God, I feel like we've gone into so much and we've just started. There's like there's so much that we want to ask you, Tammy. Um, well, we'll, we'll go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. What do we maybe need to know about your early life or some of your early experiences to be able to understand you today? And are there maybe mm-hmm. some parts of your childhood or teenage life that you think really shaped you the most? Um. So, look, I I think it's interesting when I sort of on reflection, I look back and when I was very young, we used to have a house up at Lake Hilden and we actually now we still go to Lake Hilden. We have a houseboat there, but I have a lot of memories from that place. And I used to walk a lot with my parents in nature and look at all the flowers and the colours and nature just always made me feel at peace Mm. and then we would go back to the house and sit in front of the fire and I had this kind of pillow that I was making with um, latch hook and I remember sitting there with all my colors and just loving the latch hook and it didn't really kind of connect with me until I started working with tapestry that this was something so within me it would just felt like a happy peaceful place so I feel there was that little seed there that I never picked up on and then Going to school, um, I was kind of, I felt like I was labelled a little bit more. I played tennis, I was sporty, I wasn't arty. Whatever that means, you know, you kind of like you're put in a box. And But I do remember if I'd ever get a school project, I always wanted to like colour the map in or I was focused on the colour mm. and the art. But I didn't really um, follow the art path. Um, but I feel that from, if I look back from a young age, creativity, art, nature was a very healing place for me. Mm. What did your parents do for work? (laughs) Wow. Well, my dad was a psychiatrist and my mum was a magistrate. So both very professional backgrounds, um, very connected to humanity and to giving back to others. We had a lot of really intellectual, interesting conversations in our home um, and a lot of um, emotional awareness. Yeah. So. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a, um, I'm the youngest of four. So I have an older sister, then a brother, then a sister. And what was the dynamic with all of you as siblings or as a family with all your siblings? Um, I think um, we were, you know, quite close in age. And um, yeah, we were, we were close. We, um, we all went to the same school at one point and um, I feel like there was, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of love but also, you know, a lot of just 
sibling kind of, you know, being the youngest of four, trying to, you know, get your own kind of voice in, I mm. think sometimes was hard being the youngest with, you know, quite a strong, you know, intellectual family, um, a lot of opinions. And I think I was quite quiet, just mm. sort of would listen and observe a lot. I always felt very loved, you know, I was sort of, and protected. But I, I felt like I didn't feel in my skin like I feel now. You know, I don't, I, I kind of, part of me, I love that I did the latch hook, but I sort of wish if maybe I had connected to the artistic side of me, would have probably made childhood a bit more of a, a different place to go. Mm. You know, I think it would have been a nice space if I knew that that was within me but I, I just wasn't ready to connect with it yeah mm. and it, it sounded like those early elements of creativity were pretty innate like it's not like you had a family that was very well at least from what it sounds like that was very creative like your as you said your parents were working professionals and yeah well see, my dad always like he's an artist so okay. he he would oh wow create yeah um and what kind of art does he make? Well, probably more since he's retired. Yeah, right. But mm. um, he writes poetry, he paints, he draws. I, we have an amazing relationship now. Like We banter off each other and talk art and emotions and creativity. We've, my dad and I have a good intensity level that mm. we, we always have. And um, it's a good question. No, I don't. I think that there was like art was also a part of, always a part of our family you know, like art books, but no, there wasn't sort of an artist, so yeah. to speak. Tammy, can you maybe pinpoint a specific moment where your love for art began? Yeah, I can actually. So after I had my second child, we were living in a place where I would like walk around the streets with the, my two girls who were very young at the time and they were very close in age. And one day I went into a lady who was making jewellery. And so I went in there and was just watching her make the jewellery and the girls were sitting in the pram. And then I said to her, I said, well, could you make me a pair of earrings if I choose the stones and everything? And she's like, yeah, sure. So I chose the stones and I laid them out. And so she made me a really beautiful pair of earrings. And I was like, oh, great, thank you. And I left. And then I was like, oh, gosh, I really like these. I'm going to go back can you make me another one? And then I got more stones out, more colours and um, made more earrings. And then people started to notice the earrings that I was wearing. They're like, where'd you get those earrings from? I said, well, I actually had a lady make them and I designed them. And they said, can you get me a pair? I was like, sure. So that was really when I realised like I have something mm. that is I'm really enjoying doing and creating and the colour and the shapes. So it's really different to my textile art. But at the same time, it's still about combining shapes and colours and making something that doesn't exist, exist. Yeah. So I think that was, um, so yeah, that would have been around 2002 or something. Yeah. And from there, you built a very successful jewellery brand. Yeah, yeah, I did. I built um, Mink Up mink jewelry and that was great that was really a beautiful beautiful journey mm. like to be able to express myself artistically and find really something that I always used to like made my heart sing you know I was busy with the kids and I 
I loved being with the kids, but I always felt like I needed more to mm. stimulate my brain. And so, yeah, that built up. And I think the biggest lesson I learned from that was I was more about the creativity than the business side. I just wanted to create and I didn't necessarily want to run a business selling wholesale, retail. Um, it just became... Mm, I couldn't show my true creative kind of expression mm. because I had to get into that people-pleasing, mm. create things that are going to sell in the shops, and that's when I pulled away from Mink. Mm. Well, just before all that, mm. just t taking it back a little bit, what were you doing in your job or career before even walking mm. into that jewellery shop? Yeah. So I worked at Clementia Advertising, um, for a little bit, then I worked in Nike and Nike advertising. So this is before I got married, before I had children. So I was working in advertising, and but it was more on sort of an administrative level, which really, A, didn't make me feel good, and B, wasn't where I was particularly skilled at because it was all about organisation. So I sort of, mm. the creativity was there because I was in advertising. I was just on the wrong side of the Yeah, house, I was going to say, it's like which just is not quite the creative ironic. side. Yeah. But what I was very good at is I could like go into an interview and I was like even with the Nike job, I did a presentation, I really sold myself. Mm. I got the job but really wasn't the right job but I got there from a creative way because mm. I did a presentation but yeah. I still at that point didn't have that self-belief yeah. in my creativity. Did you study advertising? No, I didn't. That's what I'm saying. I just created my own presentation about, did you go to uni for like a second I did <laughs> I was like in I did photography I did little bits and pieces but I um when I was in my early 20s I lived on a kibbutz um for about 10 months and I traveled so I traveled for quite a few years and then I went and lived in Sydney I worked in an advertising company in Sydney as well um so no I avoided the Academic studies was mm. not where my head was disciplined. Yeah, Doesn't it show you that teenagers at school who are pushed in a certain direction maybe could have been massive creatives and they just don't know it? Because totally. from day one it was like, these are the professions, study one of them and then follow the path. Mm. And when you don't follow the path, so often that's when so many doors open and your mind opens to what mm. else is possible. But, yeah. but not even that, it's like, it sounds like Tammy's story, like, it almost naturally led you to where you had to be. Like, it, you had obviously working professional parents. It doesn't sound like they had, I'm, I'm not sure if they had much of an influence on your creative career, but you... I, don't, I think it's one of those things, I think as parents, it's really hard to, to sometimes see what... You know, like if I look back now, I can see, well, I love doing that latch hook and I loved colouring my school projects. So looking back, I could see what, where the creativity was hidden. And I remember actually writing my Hebrew name and colouring it in and spending hours with such detail. But I mean, sometimes you just can't come into yourself till you're, you're ready mm. to actually find what it is that, that is your truth or makes your heart happy. And I do think marrying my husband, Jonathan, and having the kids really grounded me to have a good look about 
you know, maybe discovering myself and and what I needed to be doing, not what I should be doing, because I think we can often fall into that trap of I should be. And if I'm not this, then I'm not enough. And mm. just working out what is your journey. Mm. And that's hard. That takes time and highs and lows and some painful times. But I think, you know, it's those lows where the, the light can come through. And I feel that that's sort of what happened to me, that the, you know, with two young kids and trying to find what I wanted to do, finding this jewellery creation was the lush yeah. of like, wow, this is bringing me joy. Mm. And you said your daughter is also very creative and artistic. Mm. How amazing that you can chat to her about this world as well. Like you've definitely inspired her, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think I've inspired all my three children because, you know, growing up, like when I had the jewellery business, there were beads and stones and I did ceramics for a while. Like their whole life there has just been things around to create. Because so I feel like they've always had this this freedom to just like you can get something and make it into anything and just do it. So I, I feel like they've had that that um, experience to first of all have lots of things around the house that they can play with. And I think the word play is huge mm. and not worry about the failure. Mm. So I believe they have seen me take things out of nothing and create something which has been I hope good for their uh, free spirits and creativity and just going back so Tammy you mentioned that you know you had mink jewelry your jewelry business and that you didn't really enjoy kind of the business side of things when did you realize that maybe it was something that you didn't want to do anymore because you were working you had the business for I believe 12 years Mm -hmm. It was interesting because it started off the creative journey Mm. and it was about using precious stones, making unique pieces and having people come in and there was a lot of love and care about it. And then as it grew, I started to produce some um, pieces in Indonesia and in China and then the volumes increased and we went more wholesale and the Mm. demand increased and then I had more staff and... Then suddenly it wasn't about the creativity, it was about what collection is going to actually do well in the shops and um, it wasn't about this piece is is a beautiful piece. And so I would say probably the last two years of the business, it really became kind of, it took that amount of time to become clear that I was no longer enjoying it because I'd lost the creativity or the truth. The creativity was always there, but it had this this shadow mm. of we need to be able to sell these pieces because yeah. it was a business and I had to pay rent and staff. Mm. And it was at that point I thought, I need to walk away from this because it wasn't um, – it, it just felt wrong. Yeah, it's almost like it evolved into something that it didn't begin as and yeah. you, you, it sounds like – you almost lost those early elements of creativity, which is really why you started. Which I didn't know. Yeah. I thought that I wanted a business wow, until okay. I didn't. Like I thought, wow, wouldn't that be great, build it up. And then I just had to, I suppose, have that awareness that mm. that really wasn't what I was about. Yeah. That wasn't what I really wanted. And I can be honest, I wasn't particularly good at the business side. Like I was just more concerned about, I want this to look good on you. Like, 
not about, well, can you buy four of them? Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to pay rent. Mm. Yeah. And I just, that's soulless. But that also makes you such an authentic person as an artist mm. because you genuinely want to make the art. And I feel like so many times businesses start, even for us, Em, like you start and then you realize, oh, I've spent the last four days doing like the admin and operations. I haven't done anything creative in so long. Mm. But that's the beauty that you can just kind of pass that on to someone else, which I'll use as a segue that your husband does Mm. the business side of things. How is that dynamic between you two and how did that kind of come to be? Mm. Well, first of all, I decided I was going to, whatever I did next, I didn't really know that what that was going to be. So I feel like I need to point out to move out of one thing. Mm. I had to be uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable because mink is what I knew. Mink was like, oh, you make the jewellery. So it was kind of a bit of an identity crisis. Like, Mm. oh my gosh, if I don't make the jewellery, like, who am I? What, what do I do? And um, so I had to be uncomfortable. So once I let that happen and sort of got comfortable with that and started the um, doing my textile art, which, again, similar to the jewellery, I didn't have any intention to grow it. I just did something that I truly loved. And as, the, as that grew and sort of the demand became greater, a, I knew that I wanted to just create myself. I didn't want to get anyone to help me make the work, even if I couldn't keep up with maybe what needed to be created. And to, um, I was going to stay at home. I didn't want rent. I wanted to keep it simple. And then my husband, who is very good in the business world, was happy to take on the emails and that aspect. I mean, we always laugh because he was like shipping department, accounts department, (laughs) uh, info advice department, um, (laughs) emotional support. (laughs) (laughs) He was literally every, like just everything. And and that worked really well for a long period of time. Um, And um, yeah, so that's sort of how that, that kind of worked mm. until again, um, yeah, as happens and the next, you know, then the next change happens. Yeah, but how special you had such a supportive partner, like knowing creative people, like you kind of have to be guided by your creativity and the fact that he really gave you that space is testament to a really strong mm. partnership. Yeah, and it's so beautiful to talk about it because I am incredibly grateful for for his kindness and support and you know as I said earlier on I really feel like from the when we got married like now 26 years ago or something yeah like he's always just been very supportive of me to be me and I know like people often say with an artist it's like having another relationship because you do you fall in love with Mm. what you're creating it's a part of yourself and often partners can feel a bit threatened by it and he's just always been so proud and supportive of it and I'm incredibly lucky for that. Mm. Mm. Well, I know we've gone back and forth in this episode, which is great. I love that we're having that, you know, flowing chat and so many questions are coming as you're speaking. But going back to tapestry weaving in particular, We mentioned in the intro that it was when you were renovating your house that you were looking for a piece. Can you walk us through more of that, how that kind of happened? Yeah. So when I was kind of in my uncomfortable stage, I was looking at um, different ways to still be creative because I just had this desire. And 
I always feel like with my jewelry, you know, when you it's like a relationship. When I fell out of love, it was just, I fell out of love, mm. and that was it. I couldn't go back to it. So when we were renovating the house, that was a beautiful way to keep creative and to keep the artistic kind of juices going. And I was also, you know, looking on the web and for different things to, to bring into the home and different ideas. And I came across a beautiful tapestry, which I think was in New York. And I think it was from the 1970s. And it was sort of before the whole textile art movement had really come back. Like people didn't really know what tapestry, I mean, people obviously have known what tapestry is, but they hadn't heard of it for a while. It was, a, it was sort of right at the time that it was just coming back into life like it was in the 70s and so I was trying to get this piece sent out and it just wasn't happening so I thought okay and once I want something it's like <laughs> it was really hard to let it go I thought, like, okay I'm going to create this I'm going to make it I'm going to go to the wool shop and I'm going to see how that what I need to do to make it so I ended up buying this this kind of like hand loom and I bought some wool and I spoke to these gorgeous ladies in the wool shop and I went home and just started um, YouTubing, <laughs> googling how do you do a warp and how do you weave and weft and all of that and did my own research and again Jonathan my husband helped we went to Bunnings and we built a loom I looked up how to build a loom and and we built the loom and I ended up making um, a piece and I was like really happy with it. Like if I look back now, it was a little bit dodgy, but <laughs> it was good for me. I was happy and I got to play with all the colours and I realised, wow, I really love this. Mm. I just really enjoy the wool and mixing the colours. It was a bit like when I was laying out my jewellery, you know, putting the stones together and it just... Um, it just was I couldn't get myself off the loam like I'd eat dinner and I'd go back to the loam and I'd go and do something else and I'm back on the loam and so yeah just I just haven't stopped ever since mm. how insane is it that it's like one moment where you're looking for just tapestry for your new renovated home mm. and that is a whole new path in your career that was true of kind of your whole story. Like you had a singular moment that led you on this evolution of a journey. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like you didn't search for the art, but the art found you. Oh, that's so well beautiful. Said. Yeah, I, I do feel that. Like I always feel like it was, you know, it is the universe. If you, if you, you know, we talked about meditation before. If you quieten your mind, if you just kind of quietened down you can let things in that are meant to come in if you listen mm. and I, I really do feel that I feel that and if you're curious and and you're not you know you're willing to fail yeah so as you said you know weaving has been around for centuries but then you found kind of a unique style of your own within that. And I think, again, going back to what Gull said, I think if all of our listeners should have a look at your Instagram because it's obviously the best way to understand your work and your artistic style. How easy or difficult was it for you to find your own style within this world? Yeah, it's um, so when I realised that this sort of weaving healthy addiction <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, I have to, like, I, again, I got more curious. So I went to the Australian Tapestry Workshop and did quite a few courses there. 
And so I worked my way up from the beginning with like beginning tapestry weaving right up to the masterclass and where you learnt really technical weaving. And again, it's just knowing yourself, like that masterclass, that technical perfection, you know, it just wasn't where my heart sat. Mm. But I did it and I finished it and then I kind of went home and I then just tried to connect with what I wanted to do. Well, not even tried. I just connected with what I wanted to do. And then I had a call from a beautiful glass blower who um, was exhibiting at Milan Design Art Fair and she was exhibiting with another lady who also was an artist. And she said, would you like to come and exhibit at Milan Art Fair with us? And I was like, oh, gosh, okay, why not? So booked my plane, went to Milan and exhibited at the art fair and I think this was maybe around 2017 and went to the fair and when I was at the fair I was sort of looking around and there was quite a few like circular works that I could see not tapestries at that time I was still in like tapestry Mm. like still my own style but I was still doing squares Mm. so after the art fair I came home I was like I wonder if I could make a round loom so off to Bunnings again (laughs) my favorite place (laughs) (laughs) I love it I just walk around those aisles it's just filled with ideas and anyway and I wrestled the metal and made it round and worked out if I put the circle inside the circle I could put the warp and anyway again just just kind of intuitively knowing I'm going to make this work I want this is what happens I want a round (laughs) tapestry and so once I wanted it I was going to like make it happen so Mm. yeah that's when I feel like I really began to create my own style that still included the traditional tapestry weaving that I'd learned but had reinterpreted it for me in a different way Mm. and it's so beautiful because round is kind of infinite like there's not like a start and end point so I feel like that really mirrors who you are as an artist you just start wherever and you see kind of where it ends at the end I was going to just say that round thing is really interesting because my mink logo was a round business card and my actual Mm. logo was round and so and then when you just said that comment that that about being round and organic like I think that is definitely a pattern yeah um I kind of again it's not conscious it just happens and it's not until after the it happening that I look back and I go oh I did that again Mm. and what was the reaction to round weaving and tapestry at the time when you started that it was it was interesting I think whenever you first start something new there's a couple of people who are like oh that's interesting and kind of are curious about it there's other people who it takes a little bit more time to get their head around it uh, but I think um, it ended up the someone at the design files a gorgeous girl Sally Tabbott found me on Instagram and then it went into the design files and I feel like that was when the sort of the momentum started that mm. there was people were really interested in it and as I go back to which was great but most importantly I was enjoying it I love mm. doing it and you know I'm the one who's sitting there for hours so I need to again like believe in it. Mm. So with the design files what kind of work were you doing with them at the time that kind of got you that recognition through their 
channels. So once they contacted me and said um, that we'd like to do a story on you, uh, then they did some photographs and they wrote the story a little bit about how I ended up doing textile art and that was really, you know, she had a, a large following and I think that's when it really enabled my work to get out there and people to see what I was doing. And Yeah. Yeah. Up until that point, did you have much recognition or was it more just like friends and family support? I still, from Instagram, I had a lot of mm. recognition. I think my work was very, um, it was, you know, at the time, it was quite easy to sort of see on Instagram because it had a lot of colour and people enjoyed actually seeing how the process of what I was making, I think people were curious. So before the design files, I had quite a bit of recognition, but that just took it to the next level. Yeah, mm. yeah. Just touching on what you mentioned, Tammy, about, you know, being on, having a presence on social media. So tapestry works are not new. They have been around for centuries. But how do you think social media has helped maybe other than just giving visibility to artists like yourself? I think that it's enabled, like, I know that I've got a beautiful community from all over the world of textile artists who were investigating their art practice at the same time so that is just beautiful and supportive and and inspiring so I think that is so there's that aspect of Instagram I also think it's an able it's an ability for people to especially like when it was during lockdown mm. for people to actually I don't know see what you're up to and mm. I feel like the works were quite colorful and maybe brought a little bit of light and joy uh, I did a few little live podcasts with my daughter Francesca, which was fun. I feel that Instagram's changed a lot to what it was. I feel that it was much purer when I first started. It really wasn't um, as much tricks with the algorithms. Mm, and, definitely. And, and I think I was just really lucky that I, I got onto it at a time. I feel like I engaged with weaving and got onto Instagram just at a, a really the right time. Yeah. So tell me, obviously Instagram opened a lot of opportunities and doors and, you know, clients from all over the world, including celebrities, like we mentioned in the intro. Can you talk us through maybe some of those interactions and how that came to be? Yeah. Um, well, I think really the main one I, I need to talk about is Miley Cyrus. So um, I was at home and I was weaving and then I got a direct a DM and I was like, Oh, and I had a look and it was Miley requesting uh, one of my artworks if she could get one. And I was like, is that Miley? Or, like, is that really Miley or is that just someone being silly? Anyway, so I ran upstairs to my daughter, to Francesca, and I said, I think Miley just sent me a direct message. She's like, yeah, right, Mum. I'm like, have a look. She's like, oh, my God, it is. It's Miley. It was directly from her account? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because you would think maybe it's someone like pretending to be Miley Cyrus. Yeah, but I don't think so because it was still early days. So mm. she probably was just running her own Instagram and it wasn't, I feel like it wasn't as curated at the beginning. You know, it wasn't like this whole thing mm. about someone managing. It was like your personal kind of phone. Yeah. yeah. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. So she sent me a direct message. Anyway, it went back and forwards. And so, yeah, I created her a piece and... It was, yeah, just really beautiful and she offered to, to pay for it and we sent it over and it was really, um, it was just 
yeah, such a treat to be able to create something for such an incredible artist. Mm. And then once I'd sent that piece, she then did reach out again for another work, which unfortunately I'd sold, which is really annoying. So I said I'd make her another one, but I think she wanted that particular one. Mm. And um, so, yeah, that was my, my Miley experience. And, like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's when you get sort of things like that, it's... I have that imposter syndrome as an artist, as I think a lot of people do, which is part of your drive. But there was something about Miley wanting it that made me realise, like, oh, maybe I am doing something really special. Mm. It took a lot for me to actually, and still does, to actually be able to go, maybe you're doing something special. But mm. that's also part of your drive. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you said that she paid for the item, mm. for your artwork, because, you know, she's a creative as well and she understands and respects the I guess the creative mm. industry and your work which does take you many hours to make mm. I, yeah look I was the same and I also think it's about respecting myself mm. and what I do and I think that's really important for artists wherever you know whether you're as famous as Miley or whatever you're doing yeah that to respect yourself your time and what you do is I think really important mm. how do you put a value on a piece what's the process for mm. you to reach a decision on how much one of your pieces costs well I think now I'm um, with the gallery with um gallery Sally Dan Cuthbert so it's just really how it works in in the art world mm. and I suppose that's how it, it kind of happens and it's you know the demand for your work and yeah I suppose the value that, that people see in it mm. the importance to it so again I just feel really grateful that you know there was there's been you know demand for my work which therefore helps it have more value Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. well another big moment for you Tammy was your collaboration with Mecca for their 2019 limited edition holiday packaging how did this come about what was the process like in those early conversations to organizing that collaboration yeah, it's um it's interesting because I think there are these little moments in time that are turning points and it was an email I received actually from the National Gallery of Victoria saying, could we come and have a look at your studio, at your work? So it sort of came through that way rather than um, through Mecca. Mm. So it was through the NGV first because the NGV are the ones who decide who they want in their collection and then Mecca are the ones who then decide out of that the group that they want in their collection who they want to choose Mm. to be part of their uh, um, their the mecca collaboration so i met a a gorgeous lady from the ngv and we chatted and i showed her the work i was doing and she went away and said look i can't tell you too much but there's an opportunity and we're interested in collecting your work at the ngv so it was that moment it was all a bit surreal like Mm. wow gosh that's you know that's kind of next level and so then I had to go through the process where I had to meet with then Mecca and show them my work so I had to get sort of through the NGV through Mecca and then once it was decided that they had been selected to to be their artist I then worked very closely with Mecca who had a great team with my works and we yeah produced all the packaging and um, point of sale and it was just an incredible ride and at the same time I got to create four works for the National Gallery of Victoria which they which I they commissioned which are part of their permanent collection now and um, 
they were up for three months in um, the NGV. So, so I had the packaging going on at Mecca and the works in the NGV. So it was, I always joked saying, oh my gosh, once I've hit this high, I'm, you're going to have to like help me. Because I'm going to just like fall down after yeah. that. Uh, so yeah, it was incredible. But, you know, I think it was still reminding myself why I'm doing what I do, I'm mm. doing. Yeah. What is this all about? And what is the most important thing? And would I do this without all of that? Mm. you know and and I would and it's amazing that Mecca supports female artists every year and to be chosen for something like holiday packaging I mean I was working at Mecca at the time that that packaging was out in 2019 first of gorgeous packaging and like so colorful so much life and joy in it but what an opportunity. I mean, people are shopping and the bag that they're putting everything into is your artwork. Mm. Like that's a walking advertisement on the streets. Yeah, it was crazy. First of all, I have to say Joe is unbelievable. Like really, I'm just in awe of her and she's just such a humble, brilliant, capable, amazing woman. So, and really that changed my trajectory as, as an artist. And, and that's what she is about, is actually lifting up women creatives. And in terms of, yeah, the packaging, it was, it was a very overwhelming time. Like, I would walk around the streets and I had to stop myself going, oh, my gosh, there's my bag. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it was really surreal. But I just, I just, it was a really happy time and I felt just incredibly just incredibly lucky that I had this opportunity but it was it it almost felt like is someone going to wake me up from this like it was just like and again you know what I love it's like it wasn't like I went for anything yeah it's just just going for what I purely love these doors opened and I think that's what I I feel like it's just surrendering to whatever you're doing um and being genuine and hopefully someone else will see that Mm. I think that's what I love about you as an artist that you genuinely would do this without all those moments and without all those milestones reach that you didn't even plan for Mm. and as I said before I think that's what makes you such an authentic artist no I I thank you for saying that and I feel I do feel that I mean I'm not going to pretend when you get these kind of um, opportunities, it's affirming to say, mm. like, you're doing something special because I I think that, um, yeah, as, as we all do, you know, you question what you're doing. But I always laugh because I feel like it takes a lot for me to believe it. Mm, <laughs> I'm yeah. doing something special. Like, I just, um, I think I've really worked on, you know, being able to... Um, I don't know, not undersell myself or just actually be comfortable with that I work really hard and that I am doing something Mm. that is is unique and, yeah, um, yeah, and it does well. But also as a solo artist and someone that would obviously spend a lot of time working alone, I can imagine it would be really lovely to be able to collaborate with other minds and other people and other creatives. Absolutely. I mean, I think that working with Mecca... First of all, so professional, and I did meet absolutely gorgeous people, and it was it was so much fun getting excited with other creatives, and I had um, you know other opportunities. I did a collection with Cadres 
rugs and we made a collection of rugs again that was great collaborating and with Creswick we did some blankets some throws so the collaboration is, is really special mm. it, re it enables you and even with these new bronze works I'm doing I'm working mm. with the foundry with Meridian and again I'm working with another creative because we have to talk about how we color the works because it's this whole chemical reaction but it is very solitary when you're working on your own which is beautiful but when you do, you know, talk and share with others, as I'm doing with you two, it, mm. it's also amazing. It's, yeah. it's just a different um, kind of arm of, mm. of the journey. And you learn. Yeah. You just learn from others. Yeah. And, um, and just on that note as well, like joining the gallery, again, it's been a huge learning curve. Um, very different from just working solo on my own with my husband. Mm. So they're all... They're all um, different experiences that you've just got to jump in and yeah. go oh well hope this works yeah yeah I'm curious to know do you ever get lonely when you're weaving <laughs> I love it well I have lots of very beautiful friends that you know we talk um I I kind of just enjoy it because it's like I'm busy I do like time on my own mm. and I no, I don't get lonely. And, and I think also, look, I work from home. Actually, currently, my loom is in the middle of our living room. And so <laughs> my kids are walking in and out. And so, um, no, I don't feel lonely. I really don't. I, um, and, you know, and I break it up. I work very, um, it's very fluid the way I work. Like I might work like really late at night. I might start early in the morning. I might work in the middle of the day. I might work all weekend. Mm. I just... Like, I just go on the loan whenever I, I feel like it. Mm. So it's not like I'm trapped there. Yeah. And in terms of staying inspired, is there maybe somewhere or someone that you find you draw inspiration from? So there is a, an artist called Rothko, who is no longer alive, and he is an incredible artist. He is someone who I just am totally inspired by his artworks and I really connect with them. He kind of took art from, you know, complex sort of figurative work to, you know, almost like nothingness. It's almost like the sky, but he just paints with this beautiful light and it's got this beautiful emotion, beautiful energy. So I'd say that I just have all of his books. I read all about him. Yeah, I resonate with him. So that's one artist. But then there's also people like Hilma F. Clint, who was a spiritual artist who used to create works from a, a medium. And she said, I don't want anyone to see my works until 40 years after I've died. Because she wow. said they won't understand it. So they wow. were like rolled up and hidden and now they're just... Then they yeah have had huge exhibitions of them. She's this tiny lady who made incredible works. So again, it's about, you know, emotional artists, spiritual artists. I'm always inspired by them. And then other textile artists, there's an artist, Sheila Hicks, who's now, we've been in her 80s, and uh, her work is just incredible. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm always, I have many, many books. I can just sit around with all my books around me and just be really happy. Just, I feel like they're like a community around me. Tammy, what's maybe a skill or talent that you admire in other people that you would like to maybe develop yourself? <laughs> well, I kind of like, 
I, I sort of do wish I was a little bit more organized. <laughs> sort of. It's like a double-edged sword. Part of me loves that I'm not and it works for me. But part of me feels like, I don't know, maybe be a bit more calmer if I was just had a bit more systems. Like my studio, there's wool everywhere and there's, I don't know. Um, so I do admire when people are creative and organized. I think that's a real skill. But maybe that's part of your creative process. It is. Yeah. But I still admire it in others. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, like, I don't get hey-do both. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And do you have maybe a habit or a belief that you've developed recently that has kind of shaped your life? I think as I get older, um, I love the idea of the mud and the lotus. So, you know, when you're going through something challenging and you're just in the mud and it's just heavy and your feet are heavy and you just feel like you're just drudging through it. But then knowing there's a light and the lotus at the end, like I often, you know, these things pass and Mm. that there will be some light. And I feel that as I get older, that's something I really, I really believe in. And I know through challenging times, there will be light and, and growth that you would never have had without that pain. Yeah, without dark, you can't have the light. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just when you're in that darkness, just remembering that. Mm. That's quite heavy, but yeah. But <laughs> but I also think, you know, I have, um, you know, I often find with my works that um, if I kind of look closely, they have dark and light in them. Like I'm always moving between dark and light, you know, I think as we do as humans. I think they're very human I always say the works are very about human emotion mm. and and I mean I'm sort of it's interesting moving into the bronze works because I feel that's really relevant with where I am as an artist I will continue to do the other works because I, I absolutely love it but I feel like the bronze works there's something about the weightiness and the mm. heaviness and the groundedness of it that and and the foreverness about bronze that I'm really excited about so it's a it's a different area and the fact that it's still like I have to weave the piece which Mm. gets destroyed Mm. to create the bronze and it's a letting go again surrendering like so you create this piece and I did the piece and everyone's like oh that's beautiful I'm like well it's about to get destroyed Mm. but that was sort of freeing like just not grasping not holding so I feel like there's a lot of um deeper than just the art is there maybe a final thought or question that you'd like to leave our listeners with I feel in a way just I'm not going to articulate it particularly well but I think you just have to do you because you're going to do you the best Mm. you know whatever that means like just you just have to connect with your truth and it's not comparable with anybody with anybody else and and I think with so much information and so many visuals coming at everyone, actually connecting with, with you, with yourself, mm. can be really challenging. But I feel that that's what will stand you in good stead for whatever path you choose. Yeah, mm. I think that's a really great point to leave our listeners on. And that's Thank exactly you. what you do. Yeah. You're just mm. yourself. Mm. Tell me, finally, where can our listeners find you online or if they wanted to support your work, where could they go? Uh, probably the best place to see my most recent work is on my Instagram, at Tammy Kanish. 
and I'll also be exhibiting at the Melbourne Art Fair in February 2024 with gallery Sally Dan Cuthbert. So I've been working on this collection of work for the year so you will get to see all my new pieces and to get to see them in person. All your bronze pieces that you've been and the bronze on. works. Yeah. Yes. So Hopefully, you're not carrying them there yourself. <laughs> I don't think I will be. <laughs> I think I might have a trolley. <laughs> well, definitely go. I encourage you to please go to Tammy's Instagram and just look at her incredible work. I'm really happy that we spoke to you and that we got the chance to really hear your story in so much depth. Thank you so much for just listening and giving me the privilege of, of sharing what I believe so truthfully and, and making me so, feel so comfortable and I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. As did, as did we, very much so. Well, Tammy, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us your time. Just for our listeners, we will have everything in the show notes. So we'll link how to find Tammy and how to find her work If you want to also support us, please do follow the show from wherever you're listening. Share the episode with a friend, whether an artist or not. Everyone has something to get out of someone else's journey and story. If you also want to see snippets of this episode, we will have them on our socials at Clever Women Co., both on Instagram and TikTok. But for now, we will see you in our next episode. Bye. Bye! You have been listening to a Clever Media production. Clever Media acknowledges the traditional owners of the land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. We pay our deepest respects to elders past, present and emerging. Liked this episode? Let us know about it. And don't worry, we have plenty more. So hit that subscribe button and listen wherever you get your podcasts. But want to take it that little bit further from your ears to your eyes? Then go find us as Clever Women Co. on TikTok and Instagram for that extra clever content we know you'll love. Catch you next time.